take it away. Don't worry about it. Sliding. What's it doing? Okay. Hold on. Hold on. Hold still. Hold still, Mike. Okay. Sorry. That's as good as it can get. Okay. No worries. But I can well, move it closer, I guess, maybe. <laughs> Don't worry about it. It'll... How's that? It's like a podcast. Nobody's paying us for this. They'll... They're getting yeah, it for free. They get free what they podcast. pay for. All 50 people that are watching. That's right. All right, everybody. Hello. Thanks for stumbling across yet another trial edition of Third Degree, the podcast. And uh, we were thinking about doing this through the end of the 2018 season. We thought, well, you know, there'll be several games to try out and see what kind of reception we get. And this may be the, uh, what is this, would it be the penultimate episode? Because we may only have one more after this. <laughs> My name is Peter, and I am transmitting from the stairwell at Toyota Stadium where Bobby Ryan's jersey once hung on the wall, and now it's missing. Joining me is founder and editor of Third Degree and good resource for all things FC Dallas, Buzz Carrick. Hello, Mr. Buzzard. Hello, Peter. I'm calling in today from the piano bar in La Manga, Spain, where coincidentally Bobby Ryan once serenaded an entire bar full of people from atop a piano. <laughs> that Bobby knew how to entertain, didn't he? Yeah, he was a heck of a guy and uh, knew how to have fun and a lighthearted way and get everybody involved well we could use some lightheartedness because uh we are uh well it's typical fc dallas uh, so after going to denver for the final game of the season and a game they needed to win uh to secure a bye week and not have to play the knock-in round dallas goes to essentially one of the worst teams in major league soccer the Colorado Rapids, and proceed to lose by giving up two goals in the last, what, 11 minutes of the game, 2-1. to one. Yeah, it was not a convincing late-game performance. Uh, I actually thought that Dallas played relatively well for most of the game by their usual grind-out, less-possession road standards. I thought they maybe got a little conservative after they scored, but um, that's just human nature when you're trying to, when you need just a point to, not just a point, you need just the win on the road and you're up a goal. You know, in, uh, my one takeaway from this was, in some weird sense of irony, this ended up being almost the epitome, uh, or maybe the best example of this entire season in terms of a team that just continually found itself in these weird one-goal grind-out games. Yet for 2018, this was a team that was uh, more times than not successful in, in being the victor in those one-goal games. But this time it just didn't happen. Yeah, this this season uh, Dallas has won one-goal games at a 750% clip. At least they had going into that game, having lost that game, which is a one-goal game. They're now down to 690, but um, and that's that going into that game. That's a three quarters winning percentage on uh, games that are close. I mean, that's a that exemplifies what FC Dallas this is this year. And if you if you really dig down into the stats, you you've, you've talked about this all year. When you look at a team like Dallas, who was uh, you know 14th in goals for and fifth in goals against, you know how are they so high up the table? And the answer is. They were playing tough and grinding out these one-goal games. And if you look at that, just for example, compared to last year, when they were at a 571 clip in those games. So that right there is the difference, really, 
and the entire season is the ability to scrap and claw and win those close ones this year. All right, but put a pin in comparisons to 2017 for a second because I want to get back to that. I want to talk more specifically about this game and you know what we in the last uh, episode had kind of predicted that Roland Lamar would be reintroduced into the starting lineup did actually happen, but I was surprised and maybe I'm an idiot for thinking this or, or assuming this, I was surprised it was for Mascara and it wasn't Baji that came off the field. I was not. Um, you know, in order to bring Baji off, you have to revert Yuruti to your high striker. That when They've tried Barrios up there, um, but it, it, that tends to not work as well uh, for the whole game as it does when you switch him there late in the game. Um, so really, if you're going to bring Lamar on, the only person you can bring him off for, bring him on for, is is, is Mascara on the left. Yeah, I just, it, I mean, if you think back, in the, all the time that Arudi's been playing this position, especially of late, uh, you know, the the one zero loss at DC, losing at home to Kansas City three nothing. I'm sure they beat Orlando at home. Uh, they had a really tough draw against Portland, ironically, not too long ago. I, I, it just seemed. I guess you're right. Make, making two changes for one probably wasn't the smartest idea, but I, taking Mascara off the field also didn't seem to make a lot of sense to me either. But yeah, well, as Oscar said in the pregame show on the television, um, this was really just part of their continued rotation of personnel up front that they've done all season. That has been successful mixing it up on opposition. So, um, you know, the bottom line, what it comes down to is, you know, your routine in that 9.5 role, it's like what you or I or anybody else thinks he's done there is really moot, mute point. What matters is what Oscar thinks he's done there. And Oscar really likes what he's done there. I mean, I happen to also think, think it's pretty good too, but you know, Ruti is not coming out of the lineup and he's not going back up front unless they just for some reason think that the world is ending. But up front, we got Dominic Baji again, and we got pretty much the same that we've seen the entire time he's been here uh, for the last, uh, you know, however few months he's been here. He ended up with a single shot on goal in his return to Colorado, and it was it was the uh, pretty much a typical Baji miss where he does a lot of work, he skills himself around a defender, and he has essentially three quarters of the goal wide open, and he pushes it wide left. Yeah, that's fair. Um, he did have the assist on Yurich's goal. But, you know, ask yourself, scoring aside, finishing aside, which obviously is what you want out of a nine. Let's not forget that, first of all. But outside of that, did you think he played better? I thought he played better this game than he has the whole time. And more importantly, what else can you do, right? So it's I don't know that they have any other options up there except going back to Yurich up high, and we've already discussed why I, I don't think that would happen. Yeah, I... W- as we've talked about before, I really felt like they would utilize Baji in terms of getting behind the defense, and they just didn't do that very much at all this season with him. Um, and he's not yeah. very good at the other type of the number nine. Remember, there was this whole conversation. In fact, you were the one that pointed this out to everybody. Yeah. Hey, I know we're all expecting a target forward that plays with his back to goal, that right. can hold the ball up and help the wide midfielders and the wide, you know, whoever's playing wide get forward. Um, but there are other types of number nines, and those number nines are the ones that make runs in behind, and that's what Baji yes. really is. But they yeah. never used him that way, um, and he's not very good at the other version of the number right. nine. In fact, he's not any really any better at it than 
um, uh, than T- Tesho, and he certainly was not anywhere near as good at that element of the position as Coleman was. But they were both equally really shitty at finishing. So uh, you know, yeah, I, I would 100% agree that Coleman is better as playing a high line striker. Um, I absolutely agree that Baji's best ability uh, for them to use would be his over the top ability. Uh, unfortunately, we've seen we've or fortunately we've seen that work with Barrios late in games, but it doesn't it doesn't translate when they've had Barrios up there early in games. So I don't I don't know whether it's the nature of uh, the way they play. I mean, my gut instinct is that uh, when because Dallas uses two holding midfielders, two sixes, there's no linking player. There's nobody there that's looking to make that breaking pass. I mean, the best person at that on the team is probably Mano Figueroa. He does that pass. You know, there's nobody else really in the back half of the formation that makes that leading over the top pass. Barrio certainly doesn't. Mascara doesn't. Um, Arangis tries to, but the one game he started, he tried like eight of those balls and not a single one of them found anybody. Yurchi doesn't do that ball either. So it, it's not necessarily Baji's fault that he's not getting these over-the-top balls played to him. You know, it's on the other rest of the team. And yeah. it may just be a question of not having enough time to mesh that together and figure out. I do think it's getting better. Like I said, I thought this was he and Yurchi's best game combining. Maybe that's because they, they got a goal out of it, but... Even outside of that, just watching their movement together, I thought it was a little better. I mean, there are lots of other problems in this game than just than that. Well, the person that used to uh, play that pass uh, was uh, Diaz. And obviously that was uh, the, the primary bit of this team when they had Castillo on the left and Barrios on the right. Castillo made Barrios more dangerous, and yes. uh, Castillo created all sorts of havoc. Now, you know, we all remember more times than not, whatever happened in the box was mostly forgettable, but the, the, the journey getting to the box was always mm-hmm. pretty exciting, right? Kellen Acosta used to make that pass, too. Yeah, Kellen made has, that pass a lot, too. Has right. not yeah. had, Did not this year before he left. So, so ironically, when Baji got here, we lost both the guys who... Yeah. Well, Dallas... <laughs> Dallas doesn't play with an eight and right now they're not playing with a 10. So, you know, that, that over the top ball is going to be tough for them to get out of anybody, honestly. Yeah. Just attacking it. What we saw yesterday is just more of what we kind of have known. um, Well, especially the second half of the season, but kind of felt in general overall about the attack of the team and and how good or bad it was at, at particularly um, uh, creating opportunities and, um, you know, it was a frustrating game because I didn't get to watch it live. But when I saw the result, I thought to myself, I really don't need to watch this because I can almost predict exactly how this game went out because it's essentially a carbon copy of so many other games that have happened this season. It just yeah. happens to be the result was slightly backwards from how most of the season went in these one goal games. Yeah, the disturbing trend over the last three games for me is not necessarily how Dallas plays collectively, it's the. Um, little bitty breakdowns that have allowed the goals against DC. Uh, two guys failed to track a player against Sporting. On all three goals, you can point out to one or two specific team uh, little moments of letdown or little moments of flat-footedness, and then again it happened in this game twice. So it's it's not like they're getting beat by a better team concept or better talent. It's just little moments of letdown, and for that to happen three games in a row now is really worrying uh, a trend. The the one positive I try and spin it, I suppose, is that since it is just a tiny little letdown, if you can just pick up your focus and intensity just a tiny bit, 
maybe the playoffs will do that for you, then you should be fine. Okay. We'll, we'll and, see. And, yeah, add that. That's a second pin I want you to put in for All a right. little bit later. Because <laughs> okay. the, in, in terms of this particular game, and then in relation to the two previous games, you in particular have pointed out the failures of one player um, who really has been involved in a lot of the goals given up of late. And it's kind of depressing to say this because I'm his number one fan and president yeah. of his non-family fan club. But Victor really has dropped off in form of late and has had many of these really disturbing kind of like light switch off moments. Yeah, since he scored basically uh, against Orlando, um, if you take away these goal moments, his aver- his performance has just been average. Uh, and in particular, in the DC game, he and well, and Uruti did not track the midfielder who sc- uh, scored his first ever goal against Sporting Kansas City. On two of the goals, he Uloa made a tracking error and didn't uh, pick up a player. And then in this game, uh, on the fir- on the first goal, he is late tracking a player who gets a free cross in, and then in the second one, he just gets outmanned by uh, Smith on the goal. Now, I don't want to pile on Victor Uloa. Uh, I think the guy's amazing. I think he plays well above his talent level, you know, and he does that by grit, work, effort, and tenacity. Well, these last three games, you could maybe say he was just lacking a tiny bit in that category. And maybe you could also say that about a couple other people too. And that's all the difference it takes when you're playing against teams in a parody league like Major League Soccer. All right. Well, I don't really know if there's much else to say about the game in Colorado. Um, I do feel some sort of indication that you and I tried to forewarn everybody that they're the most underrated nemesis this club has had in the 20 ever many years yeah. it's been. Um, somebody actually literally LOL'd at me when I suggested there was a very good chance Dallas could leave Denver with no points. Yeah. Um, well, it's not only not only is Colorado a team that wrecks Dallas Dallas's season every couple of years, but you just knew Kellen Acosta was going to be part of that. Yes. Yeah, and, so, and if you have any doubt about Colorado, please go look up the history of FC Dallas against Colorado. You will see that Colorado's knocked Dallas out of the playoffs maybe five times, including thugging them out of the MLS Cup when Dallas was clearly the more talented team. Oh, yeah. And they love to even late in the seasons like this, they love to wreck Dallas's playoff position. So it's it's a common threat. Yeah. Yeah, uh, before we uh, end commentary on the game, what would you think about Kellen's performance? I thought he was fine. Uh, you know, I was a little surprised that they're, they're trying him. they've tried him all kinds of places. As a holding mid, I was a little bit, I would have thought going in, boy, that's a little suspect. But then, you know, Dallas doesn't play with a 10, so they don't have a linking player that's going to run through there. So really the defensive load on him in that position is nothing. So he was free to try and get forward and create like an eight, which is his best ability. And so I thought he was fine. I mean, I, I don't think he has any help at all in that midfield. In the first half, he was trying to do it all by himself. Um, you know, I, I don't think he's back to his USA caliber yet, but um, when he, that what got him into the USA team. But, uh, you know, I, he did look better than he looked when, before he left here. I'll give him that. Do we miss Kellen? I think this team desperately misses an eight. They miss Kellen of two years ago. They don't miss Kellen of this season. He was, I mean, he was terrible uh, in the, this season coming off that injury and dealing with whatever he's dealing with in his head, you know, it, whatever made him ask to leave, you know, that, that was keeping him from playing, being the player that he needed to be. Now he probably could have gotten there. I'm sure Oscar could have gotten him there. And, and this team really misses a connecting player uh, out of the midfield, but that's for sure. Uh, well, 
I don't think he's been much better for Colorado. He had a bit of a hot start in the first couple yeah. of games, scored a couple of goals, but he certainly has cooled off since then. And, you know, as, as a, guy, a couple of guys who are big fans of his and have really wanted nothing but the best, um, we can all hope that maybe the offseason does, um, does him good. Well, he is getting better, and I thought he outplayed Victor for sure and maybe even Grezzo yesterday, to be honest with you. All right, so next up, oh my gosh, this is so FC Dallas. That means the loss uh, pushes them to fourth place after being in first place for so long. They ended up in fourth place um, and now have to play Portland in Frisco Wednesday night, which is also Halloween, and currently a weather prediction of 100% chance of rain. Not thunderstorms, so no lightning, no high winds, no tornadoes, but just really awful nagging rain all day. Yeah, that's very FC Dallas, isn't it? And it's not that that's their fault. <laughs> no, but but, but you it know, is what my it Tottenham is. friends, my Tottenham friends will say, "Oh, that's so Spursy." Yeah, it is very Spursy. And so this is very FC Dallasy. That's I mean, my best analogy. If, imagine if Portland would have rolled out their starters and gotten a result in Vancouver. You'd Dallas would have Portland. had to go to Portland. Yeah, yeah. That imagine was an that interesting way. move on uh, uh, Savarese's part to do that. I'm somewhat surprised he made that decision knowing that they'd have to travel and their record on the road is just awful. I, I think he just assumed that the chances that everything would fall into place, that he would actually be able to get up were just so long that it was actually better probability to do what he did. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I can't speak for the guy, of course, but um, you know, they, they needed like four different things to go that the right way in order for this to happen. Of course it did. So you know they, they got to travel down here. Uh, they probably like their chances against Dallas, to be honest. I, not because uh, their Dallas isn't good at home, because Dallas is good at home. Just because that Dallas and Portland always play really close games, uh, and they probably figure they got a good a chance to win in Dallas as they do just about anywhere. Well, I you know based on Dallas's form of late, I think anybody's got to feel good about playing Dallas. I mean, if you were to look at anybody in the West. Dallas and Salt Lake are the two teams that anybody would want to play at this point. Well, you sure don't want to play Seattle. They've won 14 in the last 16. Oh, so. Seattle's Seattle's going to the cup. Count on yeah. it. Like right yeah, it down. I mean, yeah. In fact, did you see the did you see the line they put out from Vegas today? I did not, but I imagine Seattle would be the favorite in the no! West. Seattle no. Seattle actually no. has better odds to bet than Dallas does. I think Dallas is 11 to 1 and Seattle oh. is 12 to 1. I don't understand that. I at this point, you know, they're they're the by far the hottest team, and just as they always are, I would not want to face Seattle. I ha- I have to I have them as the odds on favorite to get out. I mean, I don't care. Sporting's been good, and LA's been good all season, but Seattle, the latter half has been amazing. Yeah, I mean, what they overcame to get into the playoffs to four, they've won fourteen of sixteen. Not 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 lost. Yeah, they've won. Well, just to, sixteen. Just to like, tell you how little ridiculous. the odds makers know about Major League Soccer. They have the Red Bulls in Atlanta tied at three to one. They have LAFC at ten to one, along with N- N- NYCFC, and Sporting is ten to one. They have Dallas at eleven to one, and then they have Seattle at fourteen to one. And why I haven't made a bet on a thousand dollars on that? Because I'm going <laughs> to kick myself in the ass you know, in, yeah. in a month's time when Seattle wins the MLS Cup, and I could have made four, my you know fourteen times whatever. Well, you know as well as anybody that really all odds are is just telling you where the money is. That means the betters are the ones not putting any money on Seattle. 
So it's the average audience that doesn't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm with you. We should go to Vegas and put some money on Seattle. Yeah, probably. All right, so uh, Dallas played Portland twice. This is one of those weird deals where it's a Western team that they only get twice a year. They split home and away, um, and they yep. and it's both draws. One uh, one in Portland, zero. And I'm sorry, one one here in Frisco early in the season, zero zero about six weeks ago. Yeah, um, not much difference between the two teams, but Portland's <laughs> never with the with the veteran lineup those guys have. Uh, you never, you never really want to look forward to playing a do or die game against Diego Valeri. No, they're scrappy. They're very direct. You know, they're gonna, they're, they'll be happy to track meet you. You know, they'll be happy to pound you. Dallas obviously has a phenomenal home record. They only lost two games at home this year. I mean, that's, that's right up there with the very best teams in the league. And Portland's road record is just. It's not that great. They're also really good at home, but they're not particularly good on the road, as you say. So, you know, I, on paper, as you always say, this matchup favors Dallas. This is the home advantage that you earned. It should pay through. But, you know, in a single game against Portland, that's a tough team, man. I don't, I don't, it's not going to be an easy game at all. Yeah, Portland's had to win some games of late. They had back-to-back with Real Salt Lake, home and away. They won both of those games. Now, they did lose uh, on Sunday, but again, as Buzz pointed out, they sat a bunch of starters. Yeah. They've only been in slightly better form than Dallas um, uh, of late. In the last five, they're 2-2-1. Two, two, and one. Dallas uh, has the <laughs> unfortunate record of 1-3-1. Uh, uh, in the in the last five, so form doesn't form is only slightly better for Portland at this point. You know, the, the, I think the sad thing about this is there's this kind of I don't know about you, Buzz, but my my sense is that everybody has uh, fans and to a large degree the front office all kind of have this vibe of an assumption that the season's done. Uh, I, I don't, uh, I haven't picked that up from the front office, but there definitely is a vibe, uh, in the, among the more vocal fans that the season's done. Uh, you know, I, I, I think that probably is a little premature. I mean, Dallas should be the favorite going in against Portland. Now, they do have players that are, you know, sort of game changers and, and Blanco and Valeri, but, um, you know, it's Dallas has not been bad against this team all season and Dallas has been a pretty good team at home all seasons, you know, their, their numbers are not that far apart in terms of goals for goals against, you know, uh, it's Portland has won less games. You know, the only concern I have at all is the, those little letdowns that have happened over the last three. I, I think the season's far from over now, of course, whoever you get in the next round, uh, you know, Seattle or sporting is going to be a tough contest. I actually would rather play Sporting than Seattle in the next round, to be honest. But, you know, I, I don't think you should consider all those season to be over. I think this is a, a winnable game for FC Dallas. I'll come back to the front office comment in a second. But I, what I will say is, is all things considered, knowing how this team performs in these situations, at least they have of late, um, every game has been close. They've had very, very few games where Dallas has either lost going away or one going away. Everything's been super tight between Dallas and whoever they're playing, and I suspect that'll be here again. But what I what I worry about in these tight one goal or grind them out games is that you end up against a team that has a player capable of producing magic. Dallas doesn't have it; hasn't had one all season, except you know, uh, if you want to count Bar um, um, uh, Diaz, great, whatever. But 
I do believe that Portland does contain that person and have that person in Delego, uh, Diego Valeri. Yeah, they have a couple of guys that can do that work for them. I mean, they're a much more top-heavy team statistically with you know three guys that are scoring a lot of goals as opposed to Dallas, which is like goals by committee. Um, you know, I don't, I, I don't know that it's not like uh, they haven't been able to contain Portland though. I mean, the three or four times they played them, not three or four times, excuse me, I say three or four times because they played them in the spring, twice out in Arizona that I got to watch. You know, the the two regular season games, you know, those teams have been fairly contained. It's not like they've been lit up. I mean, Dallas doesn't get lit up this year, right? I mean, they they maybe lose, you know, a a goal. They did two weeks ago against Kansas City. Yeah, that's that's a rare exception, though, when Dallas lose that big. And it certainly wasn't against Portland. So, but, you know, it comes back to this idea we've had the last couple games, in particular, we've been talking about in this show, which is those moments of concentration. You know, if Dallas can maintain their focus and their defensive intensity, because let's make no mistake, this is a pretty good defensive team, not a great offensive team. It's a good defensive team. If they can maintain that defensive defensive cohesiveness, you know, and keep those t- tiny little mistakes out of it, that'll be the difference. That I'll, I'll take Dallas if they can keep those out of it. Yeah, I, I know I'm going to get – I know you're going to paint me as a pessimist here, but the – the, the six goals they've given up in the last three games, if my math is correct, and I admit I'm really crappy at math, represent about 15% of the goals they've given up this entire season. They've done yeah. that just in the last three games. That's a fair criticism, and, and I don't think you're wrong about that. And, and this is going to take me back to pin number one that I asked you to uh, put up earlier, which is making a comparison between 2017 and 2018. Because when we got to the midpoint of the season this year, and the team was sitting in first place and suddenly had a couple of weird negative results, man, there was a lot of pushback, both from Oscar and other people in the front office, of stop trying to compare this to last season. This isn't last season. Hey, look, we've just beat Atlanta at home. Hey, we got a good win against Houston. See, it's all different. But now that the season's over, when you really compare the end of 2017 to 2018, the difference is essentially two two wins. You've converted two yeah. losses to two wins. And yeah, that's, that's the, correct. And so just so everybody listening knows, the last half of last season ended up with Dallas winning four, losing seven, tying six. And I've and, and this year, and I ha, I've, I've stated this wrong, you've actually converted draws for wins. You've The only difference is you've won six, uh, lost seven, and, and um, tied four. That's yeah, the no. difference between 2017 and 2016. And if you really want to hold 2017 as some sort of bar of awfulness, of like the worst possible ever, the last five games of 2017, Dallas actually did better. They won two, lost one, drew two. And this year, they've only won one, drew one, and lost three. Yeah. They've yeah, ended this year worse than last year. And last year was supposed to be like the barometer of awful. Yeah, the last five has been worse. That's true, and the first, but the first half was even better this year. So you know, uh, and if we go back to the first half, you know, you people will point at Diaz, people will point at Acosta, but Diaz only played half the games again, and Acosta hardly played at all. Yeah. So it's like it, the first great first half wasn't Diaz and Acosta. It's interesting. You know, I because, mean, there are losses, but they wasn't because of Diaz and Acosta. Right. Uh, and just for perspective, last year Dallas uh, first seventeen games seven three and seven. Um, this year. 10, 2, and 5. 
which yeah. is actually the best start of uh, first half of Perea's career. As a coach, as a head coach, yeah, as a head right. coach, and that was one of the things that you and I were looking at today. And kind of, uh, we should we should yeah. publish this uh, graph somewhere that we put together. Sure. But it takes all uh, all seven seasons of Perea's head coaching career because there's perception that that Perea starts starts hot and then flames out at the end. But that the numbers actually don't prove that case out at all. Yeah, I mean. Uh, his last season in Colorado and his first three seasons in Dallas, their second half record was better than their first half record. It's only the last two seasons that they flamed out in 17 and 18, you know, and, and not to pile it on again, but really essentially this all comes down to players leaving in the middle of, of what kills you. Now, and we talk about how Diaz hardly played and Acosta hardly played, but if you're in that locker room and guys are bailing last year when Ruti and Barrios got offers and then didn't, didn't they weren't accepted and so they kind of went into a funk season before that Acosta left and yet they still managed that season to get slightly better over the second half so uh sorry Castillo that I say that or to say Acosta but the you know it it's only the last two years that this horrible second half uh depression has happened and so it makes me think that maybe we need to look at uh, this team and figure out what's different. And I, and I don't necessarily know what the answer is to you. That's why uh, Oscar gets paid the big bucks and I don't. Yeah, we all agreed that last year's collapse, which took place over a longer period of time, was the byproduct of many elements. Um, yeah. This year, I think we can all agree that, that it's not that it's a collapse per se. It's just that this is a team that Oscar, in my opinion, had really squeezed every ounce of juice out of and had it running very lean all season long. And when we got to the final six weeks of the season, when all the other teams were kind of running at three-quarter speed and went, okay, now we really need to get going, they went pedal to the metal and suddenly started outperforming a FC Dallas team that was already maxed out. Yeah, I, we just had a conversation this week with Oscar about that uh, in the sense that Oscar only knows how to do things uh, one way. And this is true when he was a player. It's true when he was a coach. Everything he ever does is maximum effort. So from the beginning of the season, it's every single game, we're going to try and be the best we could be the whole year. And if you're in a league where it's a single table and the championship's at the end of the thing with the most points, that probably is amazing. In this league where you, as much as anybody, will trumpet that MLS Cup is all that matters, maybe that's not the best way to go about things. Now, I think the guy's a phenomenal coach, and I think he gets more bang out of his players than anyone in the league does. But huh, yeah, I think you're also absolutely. dead on the money that they play the best. He gets the best that he can out of this roster the whole season. And as everybody else takes it up a notch at the end, Dallas is already high rev max that they can go. And this is what you're seeing. I had you pin something else. Do you remember what it was? Uh, I don't. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, well that's fine. We're you running. Can edit that. Uh, no, no. It, I'm sure it's related to comparing seasons, and we've yeah, it was comparing to 2017. Now that you say that, yeah, that was the other. Okay, so we've covered pin number one, pin number two. My yeah. and I'm. I know that I sound like I'm assuming they're going to lose, and I'm uh, pessimistic, Pete and uh, pouty Peter, and all that stuff. Right. One, that's the byproduct of 22, 23 years of, uh, of being a fan of this team and just knowing that that's pretty much what you come to expect year in and year yeah. out. And I'm, we're a little bit jaded. Two, and this is going to step back into last year, 
and a comment that was made uh, towards the end of the season by Walker Zimmerman. And, and the comment was about the, the attendance issue kind of indirectly, which was, hey, we feed off the crowd. And when we go to these other stadiums and the places are full, it's fascinating. But when we come back to Frisco, and I'm paraphrasing here, he essentially was, was saying, look, yeah. it doesn't help us a lot when we walk out there and there's, the place is half empty. Yeah. And what I worry about Wednesday is that it's a playoff game, it's a must-win game, but it's Halloween, it's an 8.30 start, and it's raining. And if they walk out there and there's not even 5,000 fans in the stand, yeah. if you think their heads dropped in Colorado yesterday, I, I just, I have a hard, we're going to learn a lot about this team. We'll learn two things, right? We'll learn, if you really want to, if you want to take a, an accounting of what a hardcore fan base number is for FC Dallas, and you could do that for any team in this circumstance, frankly, yeah. um, Wednesday night will be that measurement. And two, we're going to learn if Oscar Perea is capable of juicing up his team in a situation that may emotionally not, at least the atmosphere isn't going to provide any extra spark. Yeah, I think that's right on the money. Actually, I I agree that if it's a, if the attendance is above five thousand, I'll be ecstatic. I, I just the the confluence of events, the lack of uh, time to promote this game, the lack of time to sell for this game, the fact that it's Halloween, the fact that it's gonna be raining, it's it's a bad combo. You know, I, the one thing I will say is about about the rain and the weather. Dallas does really good in those rain sh- delayed games, and uh, a wet field does lend itself to Dallas's grinded out philosophy, but. Um, that's off point from the idea that you know they're going to come out to a small crowd on Wednesday. There's no question. Yeah, and I'll get back to my uh, promised point about the front office. My the difference is is that as I watch social media today and um, all of those uh, everything that implies, I consistently saw fantastic marketing messaging from Seattle, from DC. Uh, from um, other teams that are playing in the knockout round. I saw lots of really positive, even teams that aren't even having to sell tickets for this weekend, right? I just didn't see any of that. And maybe I just missed it, and I'm willing to admit that, but I didn't see any of it from uh, Frisco. Uh, And what I did get was an email offering me the opportunity to buy tickets in a package, yet... They're the one club that won't offer a refund if they lose on Wednesday for that additional game that they wouldn't end up playing. And I thought that was really tone deaf uh, and not handled really well. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Uh, I didn't know that part. Um, I mean, that is that does kind of make you question. I, I did notice that there was no like playoff hype video rolled out like a lot of the other people do. Oh my god, did you see the did you see the Seattle hype video? The Seattle one was really good. Yeah, and, I saw and look, that one. That's not a video that Seattle decided to put together on Sunday. That's a video that team has been working on for weeks. And they crank and they were and they were ready to roll it out as soon as the the season ended. Yeah. That that's good stuff. I mean, I you know, I don't know what I can add to that other than uh, Portland and Seattle are both really good at that. I mean, Portland with their whole which Portland are you talking about bit, and then their whole Maine or, or Oregon, and then the whole fake uh, Ken LA. Burns documentary was just unbelievable. And then LAFC's whole branding with the hats and we're LAFC oh, and all seen that the, stuff. Have I mean, you seen the LAFC blackout 
promo um hype they're doing now no, I for their seen home. That one oh, yet. they got a whole they they're doing a blackout of the stadium on on I guess they play Thursday yeah. maybe. That'll be nice. I'm sure they'll be sold out. Uh it it's unbelievable. So um, you know, I, I know it's not anybody in particular's fault and I, and I know it is what it is and you can only work with what you're allowed to work with and, and, yeah. and, and, and so forth. But, uh, it was that along with the result of the game just kind of gave today as a Monday, this weird vibe that everybody's just kind of like, eh, all right, yet another FC Dallas season closes sooner well, than we wanted it to. One thing I will say about that is that I think sometimes Dallas fans in general, and this is not a shot at any in particular person. This is just collective Dallas now. They, The crowd here chases winners, right? And so in, in terms of the normal conception, though, they think winning in playoffs and winning in the, in the version of ML, Major League Soccer, winning MLS Cup as winning. It's one of the reasons why I try to frequently point out that if you look at Dallas over the course of, let's just say, Oscar's tenure, for example, they have the second most points in MLS over that tenure. They have 277 to New York's 288. The next, and then down from there is Seattle at 275. So the point of that is, is that over the last five years when Oscar's been here, he has consistently produced one of the best teams in the league. And that includes an epic meltdown in the middle of all that. So the idea that Dallas is mediocre or not a good team is flat out ridiculous. This team is one of the best teams in the league game after game after game. They just can't get it done and get over the top and win a championship. That doesn't mean that it's not good soccer and it's not a good team. So, you know, sometimes I think we get a little jaded and a little like, oh, this team is garbage when it is clearly far from garbage. They're one of 11 teams missed the playoffs in both conferences. There's, there are teams that are, that are new that have never made the playoffs. Dallas, when was the last time? Other, last year they missed the playoffs. But other than that, they're consistently in the playoffs. They're one of the first teams to get 300 wins overall. They're one of the first teams to get 100 road wins overall in the history of the league. I don't, I don't understand why people consistently think this team is terrible when it consistently is far from terrible. Well, and, well the answer is because people are just living off the last two seasons. I think the collapse of last year was so alarming and so historic that it's, it's uh, unfairly painted this team in a light that it, it doesn't deserve based on its actual history. Right, and even with that epic collapse of all time, they still are the second best team overall. They still had 46 points that season. Yeah. So it's like, you know, it, it was one bad half of a season, you know, and this the back end of this season is not so great. But it's it's to say that this team is terrible is ridiculous. Wait, did you say they they were second best last season? What? I said overall over the five years that Oscar's been here. Oh, okay. Including how bad last season was. Yeah, they're you, still the second yeah, best team overall. Great in those five class years. of all okay. time. They're still the second best team overall in that time frame. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just, uh, Dallas is never going to be Seattle. They're never going to be Atlanta. They're never even going to be the LA galaxy. Um, well, that's in terms of hype and audience. Well, in terms of points, they're better than all those teams. Right. They're but, ahead of Seattle. They're ahead of Portland. They're ahead of LA Galaxy. Atlanta's got two seasons that have been pretty good. I will give you those two. But their first season last year, 55, is worse than every season for Oscar but one. Right. No, so, you're, no. You're, you're fundamentally in terms of yeah. pure numbers, you're absolutely right. What I'm saying yeah. is, is that Dallas is a team that 
especially over the course of the last five years with Oscar at the helm, is a team that has maxed out uh, a very um, average roster of players. That's absolutely true. We've already discussed that. Right. And the other teams, the Seattles, the the Atlantas, it's not L.A. this year, although they, you know, they went out and got Zlatan Ibrahimovic, for Christ's sakes, and almost yeah. pulled it off, right? right. Um, they're not these other teams that are going to go out and spend the money to get, and it doesn't even have to be a known-name player. I mean, uh, uh, Diaz Arce up in Seattle, the number of... MLS fans that actually knew who that guy was before he showed up in Seattle, I guarantee you probably count on two hands. Yeah. He just happened to be a really good player and they were smart enough to get him. Dallas, I just, that's the part that really differentiates and Dallas will take what it has and make the most of it, but it probably isn't ever going to be enough in this current format to get them to MLS cup. Well, they're never going to have hype players. They're never going to have, uh, you know your Zlatans, or, or even your your Martinez in Atlanta. But you know you you could, on the other hand, say that uh, Diaz and Barrios and Castillo. I mean, they do bring in players that from South America or from wherever else that turn into pretty good players. You know, the difference is just that high dollar, high hype David Beckham level entertainment and name that they're not getting. That's the yeah. difference. That's a, no, that's fair. And and they did they have brought in two players that were in as I'm trying to describe those different players, those difference makers, those players that can make yeah. magic moments. Castillo was certainly one of those. Right. He just didn't do it as often as we would like him to, or at least he didn't finish those magic moments, right? Yeah. Uh, right. The, <laughs> the card fell out of his pocket, right? After he did right. the magic trick kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> um and and in Diaz's case Diaz certainly could make magic moments, um, but just never was available enough. Just half the games he've only started. Yeah. Well, well, you know, I think I would agree with the fact that the last three or four years, they have not been able to bring in a consistent difference maker. You know, I think Oscar, since his time here, only once has he had, or maybe twice has he had a player even hit 10 goals. He's never had a 15 or 20 goal scorer. I mean, imagine how good any one of his teams would have been with a 15 to 20 goal scorer. I think you can be absolutely critical of the front office and the hunts for their, and, and whoever else you want to blame Clavio or whoever for the failure to deliver a 15 to 20 goal scorer. That's absolutely a fair criticism. Yeah. Could you imagine, can you imagine this this team's terrible is not fair. Yeah. Could you, uh, well, I certainly don't think this team is terrible. Um, They are what they are. Uh, and they're my beloved FC Dallas, and I will always right. love them. I'm just not always happy. But could you imagine this team with even the Jeff Cuttingham that played for FC Dallas sure. several years ago? Or Cooper's one season where he was fantastic, or take Dom Dwyer and put him on this team, or uh, Ariel Graziani from his oh. heydays here. Oh my God. I mean, can you imagine? This team Graziani? would be devastating oh, with Graziani up yeah, top. Oh, my God. Any kind of consistent every other game goal scorer, which is what a 15-game goal scorer is, 15 to 20, that would be enough that this team would be MLS favorite running away, yeah. Or with in the conversation with New York and Atlanta. Well, I hope it's I hope it's not our last episode, but I suspect here in the next episode or two we'll end up having a conversation about at the end of the day the greatest failure of this team in any way, shape, or form is its refusal or inability or it, whatever you want to call it to get that player for this team. It's a it's a position yeah. that we've been talking about for as long as I can remember. Since Blas Perez left. 
and they just and they kept saying we're going to do it. We've got people identified. We know what we're yep. doing. It's going to happen. And then July yeah. happened, and they ended up with Dominic Baji. And none of us, I don't think any of us, really ever thought he was going to be the solution. And he hasn't, at least, hasn't proven to be yet. Maybe no, he, he hasn't will. proven to be the solution. But I think in terms of a player telling them that he was leaving, and a player asking to be traded. You know, I think Baji was about as good as you were going to get in return. For sure, Costa. but it's not like they had another no. nine opportunity that they passed on all of a sudden. And if no, they, no, did, they did, yeah, that's why. And my even point. Oscar, when Baji came here, even Oscar said, in the long run, he's probably a wing for us. You know, they <laughs> knew he wasn't an, the the answer as a nine, but it was better than what they were. They thought it was worth a shot relative to running out Coleman again, who has been incredibly unsuccessful for two seasons. <laughs> All right. Well, um, anything else you want to touch on? Any uh, that I haven't pestered you about that you want to pass on your wisdom? Well, there's, there's wisdom? a whole bunch of stuff we could talk about uh, in terms of next year, but I think we'll save that for when the team is actually done in the playoffs. All right, I just think you... Uh, you know, I, I think Dallas has a pretty good chance this week to advance. You know, I, I, I don't think Portland is great. I don't think that I think Dallas is a better team, and I think the home field is going to be enough. Uh, are you going to make a prediction? Yeah, I'll say um, I'll say two nothing Dallas. I think they'll shut them out. I'm gonna say eleven to three Dallas. Yeah, eleven to three. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, hopefully everybody will find their way to uh, Frisco on a wet Halloween night, and we can all sit in one section together and share popcorn and enjoy their festivities. Right. I will for sure be there with bells on. <laughs> and a raincoat. <laughs> and a raincoat. Actually, I'll probably be in the press box, so I'll just, uh, my raincoat will be hanging up somewhere, but I'll be there for sure. All right. Well, don't forget your rubbers. <laughs> I don't want a pair of those. That's my new, that's the new ending for this show. And don't okay. ever, ever forget your rubbers. Forget your rubbers. Yep. All right, Buzz, thanks so much. Thanks for listening, uh, and we'll uh, figure out how many more of these we've got. It's Third Degree, the podcast. And don't ever, ever forget your rubbers.